welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis. How is everybody out there doing today? We are going to have a great show for you today, folks. How are you doing? We are fine today. We are fine today. Anyhow, folks, what are we going to talk about today? We have a lot to talk about today, and it's going to be concentrado on, guess what, Davos. What are we going to talk about Davos? But anyway, before we get started, I want to tell Rico, who is on the boards. Rico, how are you doing today? Great to have you playing the boards for us today. Yeah, just a little mix up there, but we're back to normal. I'm going to blame the wedding from this weekend. You Don't drank too much. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm out. You're <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. But and likewise, we have Howard in the room. Howard, how you doing today, my brother? You know, I have to salute you once you're in there, man. What would you have to salute me for? Well, because you make things happen around here. You're like the master engineer around here that knows how every single part of this operation works, man. I just keep the glue on the tin cans and string. That's all I do. But guess what? If you don't have the glue and you don't have the string and just have the tin can, it doesn't work. So what <laughs> can you. I say, Thank man? You. Thank you for being here. Hey, before I get started, I want to give our 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 uh, general manager a hard time. He comes into the studio and he started to talk about cars that are no good. I had me a duster in Panama, a Plymouth duster in Panama. He said, oh, that darn thing's going to fall apart or it probably fall apart. Well, I'm, let, let's, let's teach our general manager a lesson, all right? If you have a duster, a Plymouth duster that you have in that just hanging around, bring it to the studio or, or I shouldn't say bring it to the studio. We don't have where to put it, but donate it to the studio so that we can make a few bucks on that duster, that Plymouth duster or some comparable car to show our general manager, El Senor Sandy, why is you know what I mean, Sandy? Let's go ahead and show him that there is a lot of, or there are values within these old cars. You hear that, Sandy, Senor Manager? There are values in the car. So break, let us have that car, and let's show this man that we can make some money with those cars. You hear me, Sandy? Wait, Sandy, well, don't run. Come and talk to my folk a bit. Let's let's have a little chat here, Sandy. What's that about dusters? Oh, well, a fine American automobile. Uh. But, but how many do you really see on the road? That's the true test, the endurance, like KPFT. Oh, God. You Guess know? what? Well, we are endure. We're, we're, we endure, man. Do you, do you know that in a few short weeks, we will be 53 years old? Dang. So if you got an old car, one way to support the station is to donate that old car. But I digress. It's politics done right with Egberto Willis. But you know what? Bring the duster. Let's show him it's going to make some money. Anyway, folks, we have a great show for you today. And you know what? It's all about you. But you wouldn't know that. You won't know that. And you know why you won't know that? Because it's all happening in Davos, Switzerland. Davos, Switzerland. Anyhow, title of the show today, 200 plus millionaires urge world leaders at Davos to tax the ultra rich. Stop pilfering the masses. You know, and it's great that these guys had that to say because I actually know some of the signatures on the that article that they wrote. But anyhow, let's go ahead and get started with it. 200 plus millionaires urge world leaders at Davos to tax the ultra rich. Stop pilfering. 
the masses. Subtitle is Billionaires, Ultra Rich Millionaires, Political Leaders, and Activists are at the World Economics Forum in Davos exchanging ideas and quote unquote learning. A group of millionaires has some important advice for them. We're going to talk about that. But please remember, folks, this is a call-in show, and I'd love for you to give us a call early as possible because I think this is a subject that I want you guys engaged on, right? I want you engaged on this subject because, put it this way, we need you to be engaged on what we're going to talk about today because they've got us all fooled, and we have to, to, to to get the solutions to these problems, we have to be engaged. Anyhow, that number is 713 526 5738. Call us now. 713 526 5738. Hit extension 2 and you will be on air right away. Please don't wait till the end of the show. Get online now. Let's go ahead and get busy. Here is the article or here is the essay for the program. And you know you can get the essay for the program at politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter. Politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter. Goes like this. The World Economic Forum, the World Economic Forum defines itself as the international organization, I repeat, the international organization for public private cor- corporation, cooperation, not corporation, cooperation. They build themselves as an organization that engages the foremost political, business, cultural, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industry agenda. So everything that happens in the Western world, and actually the entire world, but you know the the Western world pretty much has omnipotence over the economic systems around the world. They all go there to discuss it. The billionaires, the culturalists, they're all in Davos talking, talking, coming up with ideas. Some of them are being, you know, silenced, but that's what occurs. The organization was established in 1971 as a not-for-profit foundation headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland. They claim to be independent, impartial, and not tied to any special interests. They say they strive in all their efforts to demonstrate entrepreneurship in the global public interest while upholding the highest standards of governance, claiming that moral and intellectual integrity is the heart, is at the heart of everything it does. That sounds beautiful. That is pretty. If it were only so, if the results that came out of these meetings actually were so, it would be great. When one watches their speakers, it is clear that they try to blend mostly the best of many kinds of organizations from both the public and private sectors, including academia. The World Economic Forum says they believe in stakeholder theory. I want you to step back for a minute. Stakeholder theory means, every, well, let me define it for you. Stakeholder theory is a view of capitalism that stresses the interconnected relationships between business, their customers, suppliers, employees, investors, communities, and others who have a stake in any organization, hell, in in community. It is clear 
based on the declining economic state and powerlessness of the employees and the customer, that the theory does not treat stakeholders evenly. Capitalism in its name is probative. The stakeholders who own and control the capital continue to be the Lord, the Lords, as the consumers and employees remain the serfs. Think about that. Uh, think about when we got the war started or when, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Think about when they told you I want, you to, I want you guys to remind this because I repeat this ad nauseum because you all need to understand the, the reality of what's going on in America so that we can all come together and not let them snow us as they normally do. We all remember what happened right after the pandemic. A lot of these companies were kind of slow. They weren't making the kinds of money that they want. So as soon as the pandemic was over, they wanted to gouge you and take whatever they could. War starts in... Ukraine, good excuse. Oh, Russia is a big producer of oil. War in Ukraine means that we're going to have an oil shortage. And I kept on scratching and pulling the hairs that I don't have at the top of my head. How is that going to be possible? How is it that a war in Ukraine, uh, Russia is still pumping oil, uh, Venezuela is still sitting on top of a ocean of oil we america is producing more oil than ever uh saudi arabia is filled with oil iraq oil iran oil there's oil all over the place and by the way we don't want to be burning all this oil but there was no shortage of oil right and since they sanctioned russia it meant Russia was going to put their oil on the black market. And guess what happens when a, 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 a deceitful state put their oil on the, on the black market? It goes for a lot cheaper. So that means there are a lot of countries that are buying Russian oil on the cheap, which means there are a lot of oil that would be bought at supposedly at a higher price from America, Canada, uh, and all these other places. They would have to drop their price of oil because, again... There is somebody selling oil cheaper, and those people who bought the oil from Russia don't need that oil back from us. And what did we as a society buy? We as a society believe what the news media was telling us. We as a society believe that the prices of oil is going to go up because there's a war in Ukraine, and we just accepted it. I went on Muslim TV, and I said, I wrote a blog actually, and a, and a producer at Muslim TV saw the blog. And they just couldn't believe what I was saying. They were just saying that, that I mean, everybody's talking about, there's not going to be a glut oil, there's not. And I said, and I explained the whole thing. And we went on the channel and it's like, oh, that makes sense, right? And what do you hear today? You hear that Saudi Arabia takes 2 million barrels of oil a day off the market. You hear that we have a glut of oil all over because there was never a shortage of oil and what these guys that I'm going to be continuing talking about did was they lied to us to give us to, so that we would be passive in accepting a lie in accepting the price of oil that was unjustified 
Now the stakeholders, remember we were at stakeholder theory. Stakeholder theory is a view of capitalism that stresses the interconnected relationship between businesses, their customers, suppliers, employees, investors, communities, and others. And who gets the short end of the stick every single time? You and me, the employee and the consumer. Think about it, people. I need you to think about it well. Because until we are together thinking, they can continue to abuse us. Before I continue with the program, let's go to Stacy, who is on, on the line. And folks, please give us a call at 713-526-5738. Come on in, Stacy. Hey, I'm trying to figure out why Russia selling its oil makes it black market oil. Is the United States and the West the only people that can decide what's legitimate a, sale, a legitimate sale or not? You know, you are such a smart person, Stacy, uh, that you actually. You, what happened there? Did did we lose Stacy? Stacy, call back because I want to answer your question, and I'm hoping that you will be there. To, to take the answer because, uh, you know, there's something important that you said. So give us a call back, Stacy 713-526-5738. But what Stacy said deserve a little, deserve mention. Stacy said, what makes Russia oil, black market oil, don't they have the right to sell oil if they want to? The truth of the matter is they do. The rest of the countries around the world decided to sanction Russia for invading Ukraine. Do I agree with that? Yes, I agree with that. Did I call it black market oil? I call it black market oil because it wasn't within the family of, of countries. Wrong or right, that's what it was or that's, that's what it is. But the fact of the matter, though, is there is a glut of oil on the market. And we, the stakeholders in America, we, the stakeholders in the world, as what Davos talks about, Having all stakeholders have equal access, having all stakeholders taken into account in this economic system is not what occurs. And the reason I brought up the entire oil issue is to prove to all of us that this, stake, this stuff that capitalism and, and stakeholder theory doesn't hold any water because we always ultimately pay the price as our monies go to a few. 713. 5265738 713-526-5738. I would love to get more calls on this issue as I continue with the essay. All is not lost. All is not lost. A small but growing percentage of the above-mentioned lords realize that the continual robbing of the serfs is unsustainable and a clear and present danger to stability and their existence. In other words, the serfs are, get, are going to find, the lords are going to find out that their existence is limited. I was talking to Howard, our engineer out here earlier today, and he said people need to realize one thing. If you get rid, if a tree is blossoming, has a lot of leaves, and it's, and it's growing strong at the top, and you forget that it has a trunk, and you forget that the roots have to be fed the roots have to be cared for, for that top to do well. The whole thing in the long run comes tumbling down. And that is what's eventually happening to our economy, in our economic system. In that light, a group of millionaires wrote the following 
open letter to the leaders currently at the World Economic Forum in Davos. I checked the list of signers and was happy to see both Mark Ruffalo, the, act, the, uh, the actor activist I spent some time with at Netroots in Detroit, as we protested the evil Republican Michigan governor and others that were really messing with uh, people's water, people's land, all that kind of stuff that was happening there. So we had this huge protest at, at Netroots in Detroit that day. <laughs> Actually, they, they, they brought the sonic boom to the park where we all congregated to run us out of the park with that high-pitched sound that, that you just can't stand. I mean, it, they, they brought military equipment, man. To get us out of that part. But anyhow, so Mark Ruffalo is one of the actor, activist, millionaire who signed the letter, as well as was Morris Pearl, the chairman of the Patriotic Millionaires, who I just interviewed two weeks ago. Anyhow, for the atten- this is the letter that they wrote. For the attention of our political leaders attending Davos, we are living in an age of extremes Rising poverty and widening uh, wealth inequality, the rise of anti-democratic nationalism, extreme weather and ecological decline, deep vulnerabilities in our shared social system, and the shrinking opportunity for billions of ordinary living wages. I mean, uh, extremes are unsustainable, often dangerous, and rarely tolerated. And he's absolutely right. Extremes are rarely tolerated. So, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? They continue in their letter. The history of the last five decades is a story of wealth. I repeat, it's a story... uh, uh, I I missed my point. Extremes are are unsustainable, often dangerous, and rarely tolerated for long. So, why in this age of multiple crises... Do, do you continue to tolerate extreme wealth? The history of the last five decades is a story of wealth flowing nowhere but upwards. In, that, in the last few years, this trend has greatly accelerated in the first two years of pandemic. The richest 10 men in the world doubled their wealth while 99%, I repeat, while 99% of the rest of us saw their incomes fall. Billionaires and millionaires have watched their wealth grow by trillions of dollars, while the cost of simply living is now crippling ordinary families across the world. I want you to, I want you to digest that. We're in a pandemic. The government is throwing money at people so that we, we have an economic system that doesn't fully collapse. We invest in helping drug companies uh, produce the vaccines that's necessary to get us back on track. We, we, the people, have invested all these money to keep corporations hold. We pass the PPP, your money, to make sure Southwest... Uh, can stay afloat, to make sure United can stay afloat, to make sure Exxon can stay afloat. We are pumping money out, folks. Your money. We are pumping your money to all these people, all these corporations. And what is the ultimate result? 
The ultimate result is they turn around and give that money to their shareholders, their executives with high bonuses. And then what do they give to us again? I want you to recall, go to the store. Higher inflation. Is it inflation caused really by the supply chain issue? Is it inflation really caused by um, shortage of oil or anything like that? No, 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 no. You can't buy that. It is inflation because they have price and power. They recovered. We gave them their monies that they didn't make during the pandemic. And then they decided they wanted more. They just couldn't get enough. But they're in Davos now talking about what's best for society. So we have these millionaires who decided to write this letter with the expectation that somebody at Davos, one of those wealthy cats, those governments that don't want to tax the wealthy, will at least listen. The solution is plain for all to see, according to the letter. You, our global representatives, have to tax us, the ultra-rich, and you have to start now. These are rich people saying, please, save the world, save the country, tax us, please. We can't take it anymore. How much more money could we possibly get? Folks, give us a call, 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on not only the wealthy, your thoughts on what the wealthy is ultimately via their corporations doing to you. 713-526-5738. All right, continuing. The current lack of action is gravely concerning, according to the letter. A meeting of the global elite in Davos to discuss cooperation in a fragmented world is pointless if you aren't challenging the root cause of division. Defending democracy and building cooperation requires action to build fairer communities, not then, right now. It is not a problem that can be left for our children to fix. We cause the problem is what their millionaires are saying. We ought to fix the problem. 713-526-5738. Give us a call. Let's have a chat. Let me know what you are thinking on the subject. Now is the time to tackle extreme wealth. Now is the time to tax the ultra-rich. There is only much stress any society can take. Only so many times, mothers and fathers will watch their children go hungry while the ultra-rich contemplate their growth wealth, their growing wealth. The cost of action is much cheaper than the cost of inaction. It's time to get on with the job. Tax the ultra-rich and do it now, they reiterate in that letter. Tax us now. It's simple. Common sense economics. It is an investment in our common good and a better future that we all deserve. And as millionaires, we want to make that investment. Again, these are millionaires talking. They are saying the same thing we say on Politics Done Right Day in and day out. What's occurring with the wealth being transferred up the ladder to the few is legalized theft. And we got to do something about it. 
But you know who's responsible? We sit down and we say, those damn politicians, they're the ones causing the problem. They're the ones that are giving all these benefits to these rich cats. I have another answer, though, my dear brothers and sisters. It's not the politician's fault. It is our fault. It is our fault for simply believing what those in power are telling us. It is our fault for simply accepting a corporate state and, in, uh, in, and, and believing, just haphazardly believing what they say. It is our fault that we don't, in, in, that we don't go and think deeper into what they're doing. It is our fault. I hear too many people defending these guys as if they need someone to defend them for ripping us off. You go to the store and you want to blame the people that have little control over the prices that you're being paid. The workers say we need more money so that we can afford to live. The rich person tells you they don't need any more money. If they get more money, your prices will rise. And, you, and then they turn you against your fellow worker, your fellow person, your fellow this, your fellow that. It's a racket. It is our fault. We have to get serious about believing in ourselves and believing that we are the ones who create an economy. We are the ones who make an economy run. And we cannot cede that to those who use the economy not as a something to enrich us all, but something as a conduit to take it all away from most. It is our fault. We cannot be gullible. We cannot sit back and just believe for the sake of believing. We cannot believe on the things they taught us to believe. We cannot continue to hate on each other to prevent us from seeing who's really guilty. Every day you get up and you pay more for those eggs. It's not your fault, but it's not your neighbor's fault. It's not your conservative neighbor's fault. It's not your liberal neighbor's fault. It's not your progressive neighbor's fault. It's not your anarchist neighbor's fault. There's only one sect in this country, only one that has ultimate price and power and ultimate control. And we ceded it to them by electing politicians who so far pass laws to protect them and not you. That is why there are certain things you can't do. That is why if you decided to go off grid in your community, you still have to pay the corporation a few bucks. That is why no matter what you do, no matter what you do, our laws make the few whole. It's not their fault. It is ours. It is not, I repeat, it is not their fault. It is ours. So what do we do? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. What do we do? We have the power, but we have to, we have to enforce that power. We have to be able to do it. Let's go ahead and uh, go to Jack. I think uh, Jack is ready to come on. And as soon as it goes red, I'll put Jack on. Jack, you're on.
Jack, you're on. Yeah, I wanted to uh, to point out that uh, besides our power of the vote, yes, we have the power of how we spend our money. Yes, with you're these right. Corporations. Yes, and that uh, you know, if we were to uni- we could unify around that and actually wage economic warfare on the wealthy. Um, Jack, first of all, very insightful and absolutely correct. Here's one issue, and, 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 and here's how I would love to see this going, right? Uh, I wrote a paper where I said, yes, we do have the power now, but there are certain parts of our economy where we don't. Let's give an example. You have to drive. You have, so therefore, in the, in the energy sector, they have, a, they have the noose. We also need electricity to run our, you know, our household. So they have some leverage there. We also need a basic amount of food uh, to live on. So my, my, my corollary to what you just stated, which is absolutely correct, sir, is that for in, in industries where, and, and I, this, this is the type of, I believe in a bifurcated economy. I believe in free enterprise. Okay. In other words, you want to have your pizza shop, you have your pizza shop, you want to have your grocery store, you have all these independent things that all of us can create our own businesses. But for things that are essential to life, essential for movement, I think those things should all be controlled by we, the people. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And William, I'll come after to you. Go ahead, Jack. Oh, uh, you know, I, I, all I can do is agree with, with what you're saying. I mean, I, I, I would like to see, you know, uh, instead of the, the people being all divided, to be able to say, well, you know, this, uh, this corporate, these corporations are, you know, gouging us for gas. You know, I'm going to try to find me a way to uh, ride my bicycle a little more. Agreed. You know. And and slow down on that, and just just as as my own personal protest, I do these things. I you know I I so agree with you, Jack. I so agree with you. Uh, we have you know the the biggest thing that they know how to do, right? And I say they because it's really orchestrated. It's psychologically tested. They know how yes. to keep us divided. And what we have to do, and one of the things I do on my programs, I tell people all the time, I gave a speech to a club a couple of weeks ago, and I told them, I hate on nobody. Even those hating on me, I make sure not to hate on anybody. And I said, the reason why is if I hate on somebody, Jack, they win. Because that's what they need. So therefore, it doesn't matter how bad you are to me, how rough you are with me, how what you do to me. I am not, I'm, I'm going to, I am going to be that backstop that says, I won't let them win. And you know what? And that's what, I, that's what I admire about you, Humberto. I appreciate that, sir. So, I mean, that is what we got to do. So every, let's make sure folks, everybody that's listening to our voices, both my voice and Jack's voice, everybody is your friend. Everybody's your brother and your sister, minus the corporate executives and shareholders forcing them to pill for you. Anything else, Jack? Well, I'll call back on some other things. I've got some, you know, some personal opinions about, you know, personal responsibility, being a citizen. I love that. And, uh, okay, we'll I'll talk call about back it. later. All right. You have a great time, Jack. Thank you so kindly for calling in. All right. Let's go to William. Come on in, William. Talk to me. Hello, Egberto. Talk to me, William. 
Okay, I got two things that are real quick, and then one I want to finish why I haven't been calling. Okay. Uh, one is what Roosevelt did. He took the people that you were talking about when you started this diatribe and, you know, the billionaire, millionaire, the millionaire class, and he, he, he rallied them at the Washington, D.C., and said, you people need to give us some money so we can get this economy rolling and get these poor people off the street. Right? Yes. The New okay. Deal. Go ahead. Okay. So hardly anybody knows about that takeover that the Republicans tried to pull over when they tried to take out uh, FDR. Yes, I know about the story, but go ahead. So what happened to those people? That's what I think people need to know. What happened to those people that pulled that little farce off? But they, they were they were real serious about what they were doing. It was much more organized than that idiot Trump. And and they didn't succeed, did they? No, they didn't. But that what I'm talking about is what happened to the people, you know, the congressmen, the people in the military, what happened to those people? Look, let me let me tell you what happened to in general, and I, I, I'll generalize this, and it goes as follows: um, most people are not, most people don't care to be leaders. I, I, at first, I was going to say most people are not leaders, but that's not I'm true. I'm talking about what happened to them when they had to go to court. I, I, they, it never happened. It never really happened. You don't, you, you did. We don't in America. Uh, the powerful, even the deceitful, powerful. Don't go to jail in the aggregate. Well, the whole deal is this, this, this ultra right wing group of people that are trying to take over the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you look at any other country, these people that tried to, you know, that, that, that were, were them with the rebellion, they'd have them lined up or they'd be in prison for 20 years to life. Yes. And look at what's, exactly. happen- look at what's happening so in that's Brazil. What we're looking at if they get in, in, in power. Look, let okay, me now, wait, wait, hold on a second, William. I really want to get in here because this is what Americans need to, I think, uh, we as Americans have to understand. In other countries, you look at Brazil, and when they got their coup, they immediately started arresting people. They arrested about a thousand people right away, and those people are going to be in deep caca. I can tell you that. I know how Latin American justice works, okay? Latin American justice ain't American justice. But in America, we have two justice systems. The justice system for the poor and otherwise, and the justice system for uh, the wealthy. In other words, you have Trump, who is considered the wealthy on one side, and then you have the rest. And, and they, 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 they go around Trump with, with soft fingers. In other words, we, we talk the media. People on TV, right. you know, they these so-called pundits, right. they keep scratching their head, why in the world are these people voting Republicans? Because they are members of multi-generation crime families, and it's straight through. It's huge. When you look at what Reagan and Bush Sr. did with cocaine, and then what the, what, what, what I, the Clintons I inherited. figured you were going to be going there, but I, I want to tell you one thing. I, hold on, William. Folks, give us a call. 713-526-5738. 713-526-5738. Look, we have a lot of crime families. There's no doubt about that. But the basic reason... A lot of people vote the way or voted the way they voted in 2020. Actually, think about this. Donald Trump got more votes than Hillary Clinton got in her first election. Biden had to beat that plus seven million to win. So 
But, I understand that. But, but no, the it's whole deep. deal is they need, to, they need to quit, you know, being soft touches on going after what these people really are and who they are. Yeah. Again, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, they have to, okay. but, but. Okay, now let me, let me get to my final point. All right, go ahead. The reason I haven't been calling in is, number one, they turned my phone off. I have a government phone. Okay. Number two, I have the same psychiatrist at the VA. She's from India. She's the sweetest little thing. And you have finally uh, acknowledged that the people I'm talking about were really messing with me. And she told me that they're going to murder me or they're going to destroy me any way they can if I try and get a, a screenplay made and a movie made about what I know. Okay. Let me tell you, uh, William, uh, they can t usually that's how things happen. They threaten you. But look, go make your screenplay, William. All right? You go make your Well, I haven't been able to write a paragraph. They made me a... You are familiar with the shock doctrine by yes, Naomi Klein. Of course, Naomi Klein. Klein. That's yes. what they did to me right here at the VA hospital. I hear you. I haven't been able to write a paragraph. That's why I've been trying to do a, get somebody to do a collaboration with me. I, I asked you for 10 years to try to interview me, and you wouldn't even do that. It's it's not that William. It's just that we we don't have the the intersectionality on that particular subject. But again, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. I'm telling you. I mean, if if you can allow the people I'm trying to show the world of, you know, these these people have been around forever. Yes, they have. You understand? But they got a huge toehold because of what. Reagan and Bush Sr. did. William, I'm going to stop you right here. I'm going to stop you. William, William I want to stop you right here to say one thing, okay? Uh, I've spoken to you over the years that I've been doing politics done right. And I'm, I'll be very honest with you. There's a whole lot of stuff that you say that many of us know actually occurred. But whenever you are revealing certain things, you always have to know your audience, and not only know your audience, know what your audience can take. Remember those two words of advice if you listen to anything that I've said here, okay? Because there's... Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No. 99, 90, way over 90% of the people I talk to, which is about 500,000 right now, mm -hmm. uh, thank me from the bottom of the heart. I, I am not doubting that, but William, I got to go finish with the, the program, but I tell you what, William... Go write your manuscript because, like I, I said, I told you. I just told you I haven't been able. My mind races. It's I got in the you. book that I only Klein written. I got they you. did that to me right here in the United States. Well, uh, William, you got a friend here, okay? You're fine. You have a friend here. You're fine. Thank you so kindly, and you have a wonderful rest of your day, my brother. Anyhow, continuing with the program, uh, the 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 essay I ended with the last phrase from the millionaire's statement in that letter. Folks, but give us a call, 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. And it, it, it ended this way, and I think I read it already, but it's important for us to reiterate it after William was called. Tax the ultra-rich and do it now. It's simple, common-sense economics. It is an investment in our common good and a better future that we all deserve. 
And as millionaires, we want to make that investment. These are millionaires says, please tax us, put it into general revenue so that you can do something positive with it. In other words, give people family leaves, give people health care, give people all these things that makes for a real society. All right. The signers included, like I said, uh, Mark uh, Ruffalo, as well as the chairman of the uh, Patriotic Millionaires. All right, continuing, we have, while it is a good thing to have open letters like these from the stakeholders in our economic system with capital, it is not near enough. The current economic system is immoral by design. Wealthy stakeholders like Morris Pearl are moral. As such, they voluntarily supersede the immorality of the system they are a part of. Let's go ahead and get Johnny Carson on, and then I'll continue with this. Um, I'll continue with the DSA. Johnny, come on in. Oops, I think you're going to be on. There you are, Johnny. Oh, that was quick. <laughs> well, I, I stopped the essay because I said I always want to make sure the people who call have precedence. Anyway, continue, my friend. Anyway, uh, I tuned into your program halfway through your uh, at the bottom of the hour, uh-huh. and I caught some of your conversation with the gentleman um, who can't get his words out. What, yeah. What's his name again? William. William. William, right. So I don't know. Unless you're a resident in a nursing home where others have custody over your every moment of every day, yeah, where it's nearly impossible to maintain a diary because someone's going to find it or take it mm-hmm. or or see it and then destroy it. That has happened. Uh, I don't see what the problem is for him to, uh, does he have a custody issue? Does somebody have custody over him? I am not sure, but I mean, uh, William has been calling us for probably 10 years or so. And, you know, it's hard to, William is, William, there's a lot of what William said uh, about uh, the drug trade and all of that. That is absolutely true. But you have, if you're telling a story you, uh, the messenger is important as well as the corroborate, being able to corroborate what you're saying is important. And the, I've been telling him that for years. You know, you have to be. Well, even, able- if you're, even if you're in prison and you have regular visitation rights, right. provided, you know, you're not an issue to the administrator or the warden, uh, and you have people who are volunteers and who know you who are ready, willing, and able to record what you say or write down what you say over time. It can get out in one form or fashion right. better than nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's what he, again, you know, you're, you're repeating exactly some of the stuff that we talk about. Anyway, what's up, Johnny? Talk to me. Well, you mentioned about an a, a approach to an economy, a solid economy. Yes. And I've said this several times over the years at KPFT when it was at the other location. And I might have mentioned it a few weeks ago, either on your program or maybe to Steve Hunter. What we need is to uh, evolve towards a hybrid economy. Mm -hmm. So whether it's 60-40 or 50-50 or Mm -hmm. 65-35, it has to be heavily regulated capitalistic businesses. And then the balance has to be horizontally based uh, cooperative businesses. Exactly. And there's and there's lots of iterations of cooperative. It doesn't have to be one. It's not a monolith. It can be a variety of approaches. So, Johnny, let me let me interrupt you there. Learn for, from. Let me interrupt you for a second there because what you said is important. It doesn't have to be a monolith. 
And let me tell you, that already in our capitalist system, we have a lot of cooperatives that are already in, existen in existence, working exactly as we think cooperatives should work. We also, I mean, for people who just think we want a, a centralized government that controls everything, that would be a disaster. I believe in free enterprise because you know what? I like a certain kind of pizza and you may like a certain kind of sardine. All right? So no, we want we want a bifurcated economy, but a moral economy where people can sustain. It's that simple. Unfortunately, the only way we're going to get there, we're at least one or two generations away. Yes. Because first we have to solve the public education system. Right. Right now it's on life support. Thanks to Donald Trump and that lady. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Really, let's uh, stop. Wait, wait. Let's not just hold Donald Trump. Let me tell you something, Johnny. You're. No, I don't start with yeah, Reagan. I don't yeah. start with Reagan, but I'm talking about the latest assault. Right. Davos, uh, yes. started it, and then and Donald Trump, he more or less finished it. No, hey, look, with, uh, I'm not. I'm, America scam. Right. Here's and the, the deal. Uh, charter school system. Johnny, uh, that, that, that is correct. That correction is correct. Because what I don't want, you know, people, I, I, I'm trying to get people away from thinking that the root of all our problems is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the manifestation of the problem that has been growing for decades. So I, Donald I want, Trump is simply a Republican who's on steroids and he's the latest iteration. Every single Republican president we've had, starting with Eisenhower on forward, has been progressively worse. Not progressive. Progressively not worse. Progressively I got you. Progressive, but progressively worse. Hey, Johnny, I need to and go to Tory. Johnny. Okay, one second. Yes. For example, with uh, Eisenhower, what did he do? How did he start off the ball? He greenlighted that, that scheme of Kermit Roosevelt. Yes. Remember Kermit Roosevelt? He wanted to go to Iran and split people up. So he got CIA money to do it. And then got And the I'll oil. leave it there. All right. Thank you, Johnny. I got to go to Tory. Uh, Tory, come on in, my brother. Come on in. Hey, good afternoon, Egberto. Good afternoon, uh, sir. My comment, for, my comment for today is that, uh, you know, the, essentially the problem we're having that's represented by people at Davos is that uh, we've been hoodwinked with this sort of Orwellian doublespeak, you know, forever, calling uh, republics democracies. Right. And republics are not democracies. Uh, um, it's... It's lopsided a political and economic system. A republic is a legal system that creates a special class of super citizens via a constitution, representatives, who are a bottleneck on power and a way for concentrated wealth to control the political and economic system. This is by design. And then it's also by design to misname it and call it over and over again a democracy. Well, you know what is interesting? It's a, it's a way to prevent democracy. Exactly. That's the one thing that all the founders of this country agreed on, uh, this is the quickest thing they agreed on, was that they didn't want a democracy, because they would immediately lose all of their... Well, status. you know, so, Tory, you, all you have to do is read the, um, what you call it, paper, Federalist, Federalist papers. papers, and you see that the, yeah. the commotion that they had uh, and with factions and all, you know, how do we solve the factionalization problems, and you read... Uh, Federalist 10, I think, was the one that discussed factions. So, I mean, it, it was always evident that, yes, we were never going to be a truly representative democracy and that they, they didn't have faith that democracy would work. Now, let me grant something here. An uneducated people, right? If people don't, and this is the example I always give, right? If you have a bunch of hungry people, right, and you're growing corn, and you have a whole, you, 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 you have, you, you have your harvest of all the corn, right? 
and you save yeah. you as you save a whole bag to uh, plant for the next season. But people are uneducated and they're they, you know they're not full to the rim in their stomachs. And there's this huge amount of corn that's left for planting. They may say, no, let's go ahead and use that. I'm hungry now. That's what democracy could occur, could have, have happened I, with an uneducated democracy. That is the reason mm-hmm. why people talk about the, the, uh, a democratic system must have a certain level of education to prevent, you, to prevent a democracy from ultimately killing society. So there, okay, there is so, some merit to that. Go ahead. Well, you know, the problem with democracy is, is that it's not just a political or economic system. It's a culture. Yeah. And people don't have experience with democracy from the macro to the micro, mm-hmm. from families, schools, jobs, religions, militaries, governments. People have never experienced democracy. It's not part right. of our culture. We don't. It's like a word that we don't understand. You know, it's just, you know, it's not part of our social vocabulary, right. democracy. And so... We need to build democratic cultures, and it's not just at the government level or the economic level. It's at the family, and you know, uh, you know, the, I'm very impressed with the Kurds. You know, they have a democratic military. Mm-hmm. The soldiers elect their commander. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's I didn't know that the model. That's the model we need to follow. Right, is that you know the workers need to elect their bosses. The police need to elect the police chief. You know, or the the people of the city need to elect the police. You know, it's like we need, instead of top-down, we need uh, bottom-up organization, or at least horizontal I, organization. I agree with that, and that is why we, earlier, I think with Johnny, we were talking about things like cooperatives and, and where, where uh, things are, essential, are an essential resource that belongs under the purview of we the people. Under the purview of we the people. Anything else you want to tell me, Tori? Oh, that's before? it for today. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for. I got my punches in. <laughs> thank you very. <laughs> thank you very much for listening, my brother. Okay, All right, folks, me. we're going to get get to the end of the essay, and it goes like this. And you, we still have time for a couple more calls. 713-526-5738. 713-526-5738. Uh, you guys have been quiet. You've been doing a lot of listening. You know, I like to talk, but I really prefer hearing from you guys as well. Anyhow, while it is a good thing to have open letters like this from the stakeholders in our economic system with capital, it is not near enough. The current economic system is immoral by design. Wealthy stakeholders like Morris Pearl are moral. As such, they voluntarily supersede the the immorality of the system they are a part of. The only solution is to ensure or to assure the masses that they have the power to take back what the ultra-wealthy have stolen from them using the laws they paid politicians to enact. Welcome to the discussion. Deborah Moyers, Patrick's, uh, Patrick's time. Welcome to Politics and Right on the Internet. We must first break the myth that the system is it. The system as it functions today is ordained or divine. It is not. We must also have a valid alternative we do. But we must get through the indoctrination that many of the leaders of our society have paid to cauterize into the minds of too many. What do I mean by all of that? Look, we know the solutions to all these problems. I mean, 
a bifurcated economy we talk about all the time. Certain industries must be nationalized. Healthcare, energy, and a couple others for the basics of humanity should not be the purview of for-profit corporations because you will never take, you will never be the one whose life would be worth would be worthy of. Think about this. Whenever you go to the doctor today, the first thing they ask you for is insurance. They ask you, how are you going to pay for this? They ask you, how are you going to be able to do this? They don't check for your health first. They check, how are you going to pay for this? And the reason why is healthcare is just another capital distribution system to take your money and put it into the pockets of a few. Don't you forget it. And I'm not blaming them for doing that. That's their job to make money for their shareholders. And that's why healthcare does not belong in the private sector. Driving your car, you have to go to work. They, ha- they know that they have you by the pelotas. They have you by the pelotas. You have to drive to work. And thus, in order, I can charge you whatever I want for energy because you got to go to work. That does not belong in the private sector either. And basic alimentation does not belong in the private sector. We have one quick call that we can probably take. Let's go ahead and take that one quick one. Uh, and because I, I want anybody who mentioned that, come on in. Um, so it is important for us to understand what is occurring in our society today. Very important for us to understand what is in. All right, the person speaking about co-op, you're going to be on air in one second. Come on in, Riley. Riley, you're on. Yeah, I just wanted to make an additional comment to the uh, cooperatization. I, I worked for a company, Michael Baker Jr. Yes. Corporation, and they were involved in big stuff. They Their crowning glory was the uh, the arch bridge, the longest arch bridge uh, across the New River Gorge in uh-huh. West Virginia. That's where they're really one of their big feats is, but they also had a lot to do with oil and gas in Russia back in the nineties, but they're, they're an employee owned company. And I got to say that was one of the best companies I ever there worked for. I mean, we made all the decisions, you know, and, and everybody benefited, you know, there, it was not just about the top shareholders, you know? So, and I just wanted to make that, thank you that for in there that, you know, Thank you. Organization is really the key to to success for everyone. I appreciate Riley. I appreciate that call because a lot of people think it doesn't work. And if if they built a bridge as a cooperative, they could do anything. Thank you so kindly for calling in, Riley. We got to get out of here, okay? All right, folks. Um, look, we are getting close to that time where I have to give these airwaves up. So I just want to leave you with a few words. Um, you. Uh, the condition that we are in today, and I don't mean to be accusative or anything of that nature. I'm trying for all of us to take the responsibility for our future. We are responsible for the elected officials that we have in office today. We are responsible that they have created laws that hurt us and at the same time continue to vote them in. But we can change that. When you go into, the, when you go into your booth in the primaries, make sure... You elect progressives who understand that the power lies within you. 
make sure and elect in the general election those progressive politicians that are going to take back that which you have earned that was actually stolen from you. And when I say stolen, it's not hyperbole. When I say stolen, that is exactly what I mean. They stole your money using the laws that your elected officials pass under your purview. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.